Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Years ago, I was attending a large United Church of Christ meeting, the annual meeting of the Connecticut Conference of the United Church of Christ. And I vividly remember when a newly ordained UCC minister, a former Roman Catholic nun, stepped to the microphone and she was holding up her voting paddle. She held it up high and she declared, I have been a Christian all my life, but today, as a newly ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, today I get to do what I could never do as a Roman Catholic, as a woman, and as a nun. I get to vote. And the conference erupted in cheers and applause. We get to vote. We get to vote as Christians in the UCC and as members in Old South Church. We get to vote. Lay, not just ordained. Women, not just men. Black and brown, not just white. LGBTQIA, not just straight. Poor as a church mouse and rich as a king. Landowner or landless housed and homeless, illiterate and educated, we get to vote. Ah, but there's a caveat, and it's a big one. You and I as Christians, we are not to vote according to our own inclinations and proclivities, no. It is our sworn responsibility as Protestants, as those who shun the appointment and authorities of popes and bishops, of patriarchies and clericalism. It is our sworn responsibility before we cast a vote, whether it be a churchly vote or a civic vote, before shouting yay or nay, before raising a hand or raising a paddle, before filling out a ballot, it is our responsibility to do our very, very best, our utmost, to discern the mind and heart of God, and then and only then, to cast a vote that we believe, having done our homework, most nearly conforms to God's will. A vote that aligns us with God's will a vote that will warm God's heart and leave God nodding the divine head in appreciation for our undertaking. Whether you, good Christian, are voting in church or in a civic election, it is incumbent upon you as a citizen of heaven to bring God to your vote. Amen? easier said than done. So how do we undertake this bold and perilous work? How do we discern the mind and heart of God? How do we know or make our best 
guess at, understanding God's position on this policy or that candidate, on this initiative or that question. I tell you, we prepare. We study up, we do our homework. Before we lift a paddle or enter a voting booth, we prepare. How? By participating in worship, in which we hang out with God, get to know God, during which we steep ourselves in our ancient sacred texts, so much so that the words of the prophets are in our own mouths and engraved on our hearts. Words like, let justice roll down like waters and our righteousness like a mighty stream. Or, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? We read and we study and we interrogate these texts for clues, for themes, engaging the likes of Miriam and Moses, Esther and Ezekiel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We engage in a lifelong process of Christian formation, reading widely, attending seminars and lectures, always seeking clues as to God's perspective. We pray, and in our prayers, we traverse God's good globe, holding on our hearts those children of God who suffer hardship and privation, oppression and violence because we know that these matter to God. We open the morning news and endeavor to read it or listen to it, to process it in our hearts with a Christian lens, as if through the eyes of God. As Paul writes to the Christians gathered in Rome, do not be conformed, formed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may, what? Discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed, how? By the renewing, by the refreshing, the refurbishing, the renovation of your minds, so that you may discern, determine, recognize, detect what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, we are forever being conformed shaped to this world. Christian formation, by contrast, is the process by which we unconform ourselves to this world and submit to being formed by God as citizens of heaven. So, what does it mean to be conformed to this world? Materialism individualism, elitism, racism, greed, power, indifference to human suffering, rapaciousness. 
These are the world's way. Discerning the heart and mind of God is an undertaking. Being transformed or unconformed is a lifelong endeavor. One we undertake with the utmost humility. One we must undertake in conversation with and listening for and to those voices and those perspectives that are, frankly, foreign to us. Because, here's why, because nothing, nothing on this earth is foreign to God. Amen? A Christian, a citizen of heaven, is forever asking questions such as, biblically informed questions such as, what does it mean to vote on behalf of those whom Jesus calls the least of these? Or, how do I carry into the voting booth this searing condemnation when Jesus shouts, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, neglected justice and mercy and faith. What does it look like for you, for me, to vote on behalf of justice and mercy and faith? Or if, as Jesus claims, you are the light of the world, you are the light of the world, and you are the salt of the earth, how do light and salt vote? How do the two greatest commandments, love of God and love of neighbor, inform your citizenship in heaven and your choices on election day? One of my seminary professors, Cornell West, writes this. Justice is what love looks like in public. How does your vote make God's love public? How does your vote turn God's love into justice, into equity? Or, when facing the ballot, how do you answer the question, who is my neighbor? What does it mean to ask that very question with ballot or voting paddle in hand? Who is your neighbor? This map of the Boston area shows us that for most of us, our neighbors look like us, a lot like us. If you are black, so are your neighbors. If you are brown, so are your neighbors. If you are white, your neighbors are likely to be white. And if you are Asian, your neighbors are likely to be Asian. That is this world's reality. But that's not what Jesus meant by neighbor in his parable of the Good Samaritan. A man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And the answer at the far end of the parable, the answer is the neighbor is the one who shows mercy on the one in need. So Christianly, 
neighborliness is not defined by geographic proximity. Christianly, we ask, how do I bring mercy for my neighbor who is in need into the ballot box? We get to vote. It hasn't always been this way. As U.S. history past and present proves, the right to vote is not only hard won, it needs to be defended constantly. Still, we get to vote. Like that former nun turned UCC, we get to vote. But for you, Christian, for you there is a caveat, and it's a big one. It is your bounden duty to cast a vote that will warm God's heart, a vote by which you align yourself with the purposes and the will of God. And when you do, when you vote as a citizen of heaven, don't be surprised when you hear this. Hallelujah.